Hello and welcome back to Surf Splendor. I am your host, David Scales. Thrilled to be back with another episode of Surf News for this October 3rd, 2016. Hope that you enjoyed last week's episode, which was with Peter Hamblin, filmmaker, Peter Hamblin and professional surfer Frank Solomon regarding their late latest film project, Let's Be Frank. It was available on Red Bull TV. For a limited duration, it was supposed to go up on iTunes after the fact and be available for purchase, but it isn't available there. And Red Bull took it down as they were supposed to, um, but it's not on iTunes. And then on Red Bull, on their site, it actually says that they're going to have it back up on Red Bull TV on December 26th. So I'm not sure why they adjusted their strategy, their distribution strategy. Perhaps they received better feedback than anticipated. Um, and just decided to adjust. I don't know. But hopefully you watched it. If not, that means you get to build the anticipation for the next two and a half months till the day after Christmas to see it again. Um, If you didn't listen to that episode yet, I still encourage you to, or if you didn't see the, uh, the movie, I still encourage you to listen to the episode. It gives great insight into the filmmaking process, and I think it stands alone. Um, next week I have an episode that's already recorded with Newport, Rhode Island's own Sid Abruzzi of the Water Brothers. Sid Abruzzi is, um, largely responsible for pioneering surfing, not, I mean, not pioneering, pioneering surfing, but pioneering the surf industry and really fostering the culture in that area of the East coast. And he was recently inducted into the East coast hall of fame, um, Geez, he's met everybody in the surf industry, and everybody's come through that part of the world, connects with Sid. So great icon in the surf community and um, really cool dude. I mean, fantastic to be able to have a conversation with him, pick his brain, all that sort of stuff. So look forward to that next week. Today's episode, Scott and I get into the current surf news. We chat about the Quicksilver Pro France, which hopefully has started by the time you've listened to this. Uh I comment on the article I wrote on Beach Grit that perhaps you saw about Kelly Slater's art exhibit, and um, we, we get into all sorts of stuff. So hope that you enjoyed today's episode. You can leave a comment about it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes, which I always encourage you to do. I think we're up to about 92 ratings or so. I'd love to see it hit the triple digits. Um, really, not only is that gratifying for my ego – Thank you very much. It's actually, uh, it helps the show grow. It helps other people find us. It helps prioritize us in iTunes search rankings um, when people search for, for stuff to listen to. So if you could do that, rate and review the show in iTunes, that would be great. All right. Hope that you enjoyed today's show. I will be back at the end to sign us off. Yeah, guy. Yeah, guy. Down the line, Surf Talk Radio. Hey, now. It's Monday. Hey, now, Scott. It is Monday, October 3rd, and 2016 is the year. That's right. And David Lee Scales and Scott Bass with you. Down the line, Surf Talk Podcast. And yeah, where, where are we? Broadcasting live to tape. Not even tape. Live to digital Recording device at the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center in San Clemente, California, the Smithsonian of Surfing. Surfingheritage.org is their website. That is correct, my friend. And um, we've got a good show for you here today. We're going to talk about 
long distance paddling. We're going to talk about uh, probably the Quicksilver Pro France, which starts tonight. If you're on the Pacific Standard Time, I think it's at 11 or noon or midnight. Six, six hours. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the guy, um, Ray Bergman, who's the commissioner and runs the Fantasy Surfer dot com website. He mm-hmm. puts out this great thing. I'm sure you've seen it a million times, but he gives you the the time frame, what time it will be relative to your time zone when mm-hmm. that event starts. So the Quicksilver Pro France, if you're in California or, or anywhere in Pacific Standard Time, will start if in fact they give it the green light based sure. on conditions tonight around I think eleven or midnight, something like that. Yeah. Well I'm I'm excited to get in today's show. Um and then also, I'm excited to see you up in Santa Cruz later this week, Scott. That's right. The big show this weekend, the uh, Boardroom International Surfboard Show. Crazy. Yeah, we're honoring John Mel, Icons of Foam, Tribute to the Masters, presented by U.S. Blanks. Honoring John Mel. And John Mel, a legendary, uh, iconic figure in the surfboard industry in Santa Cruz and in the surf scene in general. Um, he's had a uh, surf shop and been shaping boards there for over four decades, probably close to 50 years. So um, pretty excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's a, quite a few surfboard giveaways, which oh, really? well, a lot of the exhibitors are giving away surfboards. So, do, I, do I qualify to win? No, Damn. you don't. As a as sort of a, well, you're an exhibitor. Let's just call <laughs> it what it is. You're an exhibitor, right? You work for um, your... Yeah. Well, I actually was going to say... You work for somebody that's working there. Yeah. yeah. John Mel stands alone, of course, um, as an icon, but... It's worth noting he's the father of Pete Mel, the WSL broadcaster. He is, and I'm sort of going out of my way to not... I know you are. ...to not reference that because John stands on his own, and I think Pete would appreciate that if I wasn't like trying to leverage Pete Mel in yeah. every conversation. But I will. Okay, well, like, that's know- up to you, but because John is... you know, here's I think I told you the story. The very first surf contest I went up to in Santa Cruz, 1985, the uh, Santa Cruz Longboard Union Invitational. It was the very first one, the mm. very first Santa Cruz Longboard Union Invitational. It's a, a bunch of clubs in the California area, a bunch of longboard clubs um, got together and had this big event. And this one was in Santa Cruz. And I went up there. Have I told you this story? No. Because I don't want to bore you. No, but. No, no. So me and my buddy Mike Emerson went up there. I'm 18 years old. Mike's 17 years old. And we um, – and this is – this was the the event was an open event. There weren't age divisions. Everybody surfed against everybody. Got it. So ends up we sur- we're surfing and we're surfing really good and we're eighteen year old and competitive. So we end up get, making it to the finals. So in the finals are these legendary longboard sh- uh, surfers, um, Les Potts from Maui, Albert Jenks from Maui, um, Dale Dobson, uh, I think Donald Takayama. No, it was Ed um, Ed Guzman, Mike Emerson, and myself. Those are the six finalists. And so Mike and I are ecstatic. We're like, oh, my God, we can't believe it. You know, we're, we're the youngest guys in the final. All these guys are 20, 30-something, 40-something, just classic surfers. And it ends up that my buddy Mike wins the whole thing. He wins the final. I get fifth place. Where was it at? Well, they wanted to do it at Steamer Lane, but the waves are so small, they moved it to Pleasure Point. Sure. So it was at Pleasure Point. I'd ra- I mean, I'd rather longboard Pleasure Point, right? Out of those two? Um, you know, they're both yeah. can be good longboard waves, depending right. on the day. So 
Mike wins and we go to the awards thing and that was just a crazy party blowout in 1985. Use your imagination. Sure. You know, I mean, the president was snorting coke, you know, like everybody was raging in 1985. Like there wasn't a person that wasn't on drugs. Right. Of course, I'm being facetious or sarcastic or exaggerating. But so it was a full raging party. And um, ends up so Mike wins. So what Mike wins is a John Mel Freeline Design Longboard. So I remember as we're driving out of Santa Cruz that Monday, all hungover, we pulled over and went into Freeline and met John and ordered the longboard and the whole thing. So it was kind of cool that I do have a John Mel connection from way back when. I mean, at that time, could you even imagine 30 years later that you'd be hosting a trade show that was honoring him? No, 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 (laughs) no, I had no idea. Crazy, right? Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you up there. I've never seen you outside of San Diego and San Clemente. So uh... <laughs> it does, things don't change much, unfortunately for you. It's the same old, same old. <laughs> same old Scott. Yeah, not, it's not going to be pretty no matter where you see me. Uh, by the way, are you surfed out or what? You know, I'm not really surfed out. Really? Um, yeah, I've been kind of sick. Oh, no. But I have been surfing. But Well, I, I thought you looked horrible. That's I just figured it was surfed out. I didn't know you were actually sick. That, well, I'm that's pretty, why I've been surfing a lot. I've been surfing a lot. But, um, um, yeah. The waves have been good for like two weeks straight, basically. Yeah, it's been, it's been pretty damn good. It's been good. And uh, not only has there been swell, but it's been like we've – in Orange County anyways, we've had Santa Ana's like offshores through the afternoons. So I get home from work and I go back to the beach and it's better than it was in the morning and I'm just tripping. So yeah. It's been, it's been good. Yeah, you've got some sun on your complexion there i can see that you've been in the water yeah you've got a hint of a smile so you you've got that surfed out vibe going and yeah for all of southern california in fact northern california where there was fires up in santa cruz the high pressure settled in over the four corners the the western basin and uh, we got tons of really hot weather glassy conditions in a south swell that mixed in at the same time i'm sure it was a little bit better up in your area. Um, it, it's been kind of walled. It was like the direction was pretty straight south. Yeah. Um, so I've been coming down here actually and surfing trestles a lot. Yeah. Making like full day beach mission, you know. Oh, when insane. You're a kid. Good for it's you. so much fun. That dry bag that we got, I've been using that for trestles oh, cool. missions. Cool. Very cool. So, yeah. Um, we'll get into that in a second actually, but I wanted to reference, you were talking about the longboard thing up in Santa Cruz. I actually just ordered my first ever longboard. Uh Uh-oh. I know. It's embarrassing, Welcome to the team, bro. (laughs) You were doing it when you were 20, so I don't feel so bad. I was doing it when I was 15. Well, how... Okay, so you So back then, it wasn't cool at all. We were just... Like, we were were oddities. Yeah. Back in 1980s, around 81, 82, 83, there was this longboard revival kind of kicked in. Yeah. And um, Herbie Fletcher and all these guys, Donald and Dale Dobson and David Nueva, all these guys started longboarding and there started to be these longboard contests. There was the Dewey Weber event in Manhattan Beach and there was an event um, in in, uh, Santa Cruz and there was like Alan Seymour put on an event at San Onofre, the old time San Onofre Classic. And there was just these random events that happened. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was sort of interesting that for whatever reason, I know what it is really, is that Mike Emerson's dad had given him a longboard, um, an old um, Joey Cabell model. I rem- It's weird that I remember the model, but it was a Joey Cabell. And so Emerson, because he was our buddy and he was sort of the best surfer of all of us, we just kind of followed his lead. So we all got old longboards. And when it was small in Del Mar, we would ride longboards. Mm-hmm. And the Del Mar lifeguards, who were like a mainstay of sort of the beach culture there, they were all you know, Grant Larson and those guys were all, in fact, Del Mar, the Del Mar lifeguard department had a longboard contest. Mm. That's right. Duh. My right there in my own backyard, we had one of the Del Mar, one of the lifeguard contests. So 
Um, anyway, I'm tr- I forget why I'm telling you the story other than to say you that I had a random connection with longboarding yeah. a long, long time ago. Well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'm not transitioning onto a longboard exclusively, and I've always had a couple longboards in my quiver. Like right now I have a 10-something and like, like a 10-0 and then like a – not a proper longboard, but like an 8-something single fin. And um, But I've never – had one designed for me. They were hand-me-downs and they're kind of beaters and it's like, I'll take them out, but it's just a novelty session, but I have fun on them, you know, and I want to, I want to learn how to nose ride. I want to learn how to cross step all those things. And I can kind of do it on these other boards, but I'm like, you know what? I need to just get a board made for me brand new. Um, and then I, I got to tell you, now you have expectations built into this board. That's true. I do. What kind of board is it? Roger Hines is. Oh, killer. Yeah. Uh, You're stuck. Yeah. Is it like a three fin or a single fin? Uh, he's doing single. And does it have 50, 50 rails throughout or does it have a tucked edge? I just told him I want a nose rider. Like, I don't care what the size is. You're the man like nose rider. And he, and so I saw him write down like nine Oh single fin. Cool. Um, Well, he won't, he will not do you wrong. Yeah, no, he won't. So, and I've surfed with him enough to where he knows kind of what my ability level is. But, um, I got to tell you another thing that inspired me is just Instagram. There's, there are young kids who just exclusively ride. Like Griffin Colapinto, not yeah. Griffin. What's his, his brother? brother? Corey. Yeah. Corey Colapinto. I think his Instagram is Cucapinto. Yeah. Dude, the kid is unbelievable. Like the the stuff that he's doing is so interesting and innovative and like tons of switch stance and then like laying down and lean backs and like cross step cutbacks and just weird bottom turns that he's like grabbing the rail and it, it just looks so fun. And the other detail is. This opens up more days of the year for me to surf. There's, oh, absolutely. There's a lot of days where I go to the beach with my shortboard and I'm like, eh, it's three foot or it's two foot. I'm out of here. Like, I'm not paddling out there and it's mushy. Those are the days that Corey Colapinto is hanging 10 and doing spins all the yeah. way to the inside. It's like, dude, so- you're stoked. You're so stoked. This, this is the greatest revelation that, that maybe your surfing life's going to have. I mean, this is a turning point. Yeah. You're going to be involved forever if you're riding a longboard. You have no reason to not go surfing, you know? Yeah. And now, you know, you've got, you're going to get one board. You're going to now try other boards and find other things. And just, it's just a whole, it's just like, it's like any, you know, the more that you sort of open your eyes up to what's available and, and if you're willing, yeah, right, you're going to just have a much grander, broader experience with the whole surf trip. So good for you. Yeah, I'm psyched. And just for the record, I also ordered a short board with it. Because I couldn't yeah. just like. Well, look, you know, there's transition. nothing to be a sh- like. No, there what is happens little, there's is a shame. you mentioned it. There's a little shame. You <laughs> feel a little shame. What happens is you just determine what conditions and what you yeah. feel like inside. What dance do you want to do today? And a lot of times, I'll ride a longboard on days that are shortboardable because I just feel like my dance is longboarding. And there are many days when I'm on a shortboard when I should be on a longboard, but I just do not feel like longboarding. Mm. I want to get my shred on, and I'll try my hardest no matter what. And um, it just all comes down to what you feel, you know, inside your heart, what you want to do. Scott, you're so poetic, dude, talking about dancing on the water. That's what we do. Think, it is. It is and all th- a dance. One thing listeners me. don't know is Scott can really only express himself through dance. <laughs> well, it is his medium the of The microphone expression. is not working. It's My. his medium of getting his feelings out to the world. This is. And it's something to see. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'll try to Instagram it. Hey, there are so many great longboarders and there have been forever right i mean one thing that you'll note that as you get into this journey on a longboard is how incredible the guys in the 60s were on those old boards you know like david nueva just 
mind-blowingly good, you know? Oh, man, totally. So, and, and the kids today, not even kids, they're now like 30 years old, these guys that are really good, like C.J. Nelson. And I, I wish I could, I mean, there's just so many of them. There's literally like 100 of them that are mind-blowingly yeah. good. So I'm not doing them all justice. But there's kids where I surf and there's kids where you surf. There's this kid, Christian. He's not a kid. He's like 21. And um, Austin and Trevor. Yeah. And then there's all the, and of course, where I surf, there's Joel Tudor and Ryan Birch and Chris Cravey and Eric. And there's just a whole crew. There's a just, it's like a never ending crew of really cool longboard guys that are Cyrus Sutton. They're all Cardiff guys. Yeah. So it's pretty, it's pretty impressive and it's, it's a lot of fun and so much fun. It's good to mix it up. Yeah. Well, I referenced. Wait till you get an 11 footer. Really? Yeah. See, I'm all geeked out on the 11 foot gliders. I, I just love those. Things. Just go straight on it or what? No, you just do the most. You paddle go paddle left, go right, fading bottom turn. So you're paddling at full speed as if you're going left. You catch the wave so early that you just do a big fading 100-yard bottom turn t- towards the right. Go up, cross-step, roundhouse cutback, bank off the white water, step up to the middle of the board, fly through a section, come back, do it again. I mean, it's just, you know. And again, some days you feel like it, some days you don't. Is that 11-footer, that Andrini yeah. that I've seen? Yeah. Sweet. Andrini will be there this weekend, huh? He will. Um, I referenced that dry bag for Dr- Trussell's day trip. Um, we should give a shout out to Surf Shop Box, who sent yeah. you and I eat Kevin, the box. Kevin Thigh or Ty? Is it- I have no idea how to pronounce it. T-I-G-H-E. Is it T-H-I-G-H-E? Or T- I think it's, it's probably Ty. Kevin T-I-G-H-E is, All right. I thought. It must be Ty. Kevin, thanks for that. Was very generous. Yeah. So Surf Shop Box is the um, the Instagram is at Surf Shop Box, and basically it's a subscription box. There's a lot of that business model going around for various industries, but it's fifty bucks a month. They send you a box with a hundred dollars worth of product. I think kind of my or a lot of people's criticism, and even one of my questions before receiving it <clears throat> is like, how does that model exist? And does the organizing company Surf Shop Box just get reject products from these companies, you know, and that's why they're discounted and that's what they're offering. But it doesn't seem to be like the stuff that we got was legit. Like I got a pair of Captain Finn trunks. I did too. A pair of sandals and this dry bag, which I never would have bought for myself. Creatures of leisure dry bag. right? Yeah. And it's like a day one. Like it's not a heavy duty one. Yeah. Um, But it's like, I would never have purchased that on my own, but I love it. Like I, and I use, I've used it multiple times. I'm going to take it with me on an upcoming trip and um, I'm, I'm thrilled to have it. So anyways, great deal for the 50 buck uh, monthly expense. You know, you get a hundred bucks worth of product. So is that what it is? It's a $50 subscription model. Right? Yeah. So you, you buy in $50, they bill your card automatically and you get a box every month. Yeah. And it, the products change every month. You don't know what you're getting, but right. you know that it's at least valued at a hundred bucks. He sent me one a, a year ago, which it was, um, the name was different. It wasn't surf shop box back then. I think it was called the Waterman's pack. And it had like really nice goggles, um, a couple of other things. And then they've kind of transitioned the business model into clothing and other things. But um, cool. yeah, but I'll, I'll say he's not a sponsor of the show. So this is not a paid advertisement. He just gave us a box and was like, yeah, if you guys want to talk about it. Great. If not, don't worry about it. But I was psyched on it. So worth a comment. By the way, we should tell the listeners that David and I, David and I are actively discussing how to monetize the site and we're leaning towards a uh how would you what's the donation base donation base thank you donation based revenue model so that david and i can continue to to provide content which we think is sometimes good sometimes great sometimes not so good but we want to be able to deliver it consistently 
and with the same amount of passion and stoke that we always bring to the table. Yeah, and so it's going to basically just be a button. You could subscribe you know, uh, monthly and just give five bucks a month or whatever you want, or just send a one-time donation. There'll be multiple options, but we'll get that going in the next couple of weeks. And actually, since last time we recorded and you and I discussed it, I got two listener emails that were kind of commenting on the show, and both of them included in that email like, hey, I'd love to donate money to the show to keep that thing going. Let me know how and when. And Cool. Yeah, so we've had a lot of people... I mean, over the course of the last couple of years, I've had dozens of people offer to donate. So we're just going to make that available. Um, speaking of Cardiff, surfing at Cardiff, I had a funny experience the other day. So the day after our last show, which was about two weeks ago, we remember we were talking about Julian Wilson and should they get fined mm-hmm. for the comments they made about the WSL, right or wrong, wh- whether their comments were valid, which we think they all were. Um, are they allowed to sort of criticize criticize the shield so to speak right and so julian just happened to be surfing at cardiff no way yeah he, he lives in car he has a house in cardiff okay i know and his brother lived there i didn't maybe know that's what it is yeah. i see him around a lot like i'll see him at the yogurt shop or whatever you know and yeah. it's funny because i'll see him and i'm i'm like that creepy 50 year old dude that looks like a fan like i have these awkward moments with where i'm just like i'm a fan you know yeah but, but you know, Julian's whatever, 25 or whatever. And, and I'm just like that awkward fan. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I can't just like not say hello, but I kind of try to play it cool. And then when I do say hello, it just comes out so like stammering and stupid and like just, I, I just, I'm just an idiot basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to back that up, this has what happened at Cardiff the other day. Right. So I'm like, oh, I should ask Julian what he thinks about getting fined. Perfect. Right. Yeah. So I paddle up to him and I'm like, hey, um, I don't mean to talk shop or anything. You know, because it was like one of these calm, glassy, gorgeous afternoons. Everyone was being quiet, you know. And so immediately I'm awkward. Immediately I'm just putting my foot in my mouth. You know, I'm like, hey, I don't mean to talk shop, but let's talk shop. Yeah. And what do you think? And I immediately go, what do you think about you getting fined? You know, so I said it in like the the most kind of blatant. Yeah. Like blunt. I didn't lead into it with it. I didn't massage the situation at all. You know, I kind of like took him asunder. Right. Took him a, it, it took him by surprise a little bit. And he was kind of like looked at me and was quiet and was kind of like giving me that, who the hell are you look, you know? Yeah. And then I tried to backpedal and I just made the situation worse and worse, which I tend to do often. Socially, I'm awkward and, and it just got really weird. And eventually he basically just kind of, I go, yeah, well, me and my friend were talking about it. We have a podcast and a blog and, and he's like, oh, well then maybe I probably shouldn't tell you what I think. And I was like, oh <laughs> yeah, I put my foot in my mouth again. And. And then he just got really silent and awkward where he was just like wouldn't say anything and I didn't say anything and I eventually paddled away. Wow. <laughs> and I just wanted the listeners to know that I just fully blew it. it Hilarious. Was, it was kind of, I mean, to this day, I'm just like, oh, why did I even do that? Next time, I'm just not going to say shit. You know, I'm just wow. going to keep my mouth shut. Oh, man. But I kind of felt like we had just talked about it. So yeah. it'd be great if I could come back to the show and go, hey, I talked to Julian. This is what he thinks. You could have. I could have phrased it differently. Yeah. <laughs> if I would have smoothed the whole thing out, I just didn't. It's kind of weird. Like, how do you approach, say, like, if you were to see Dane Reynolds, how would you approach Dane Reynolds? Not knowing him. He doesn't know who you are. Yeah. But you want to talk to him about something about the show. Like, what would you say? Let's let's do a role play. Let's say I'm Dane Reynolds. How would you approach it? I'd be like, so, Dane, um, I know you put on a little bit of weight in the last couple of years, <laughs> but... <laughs> me and my friend have a podcast and we were talking about your weight gain like what's your favorite type of beer i mean it's clearly not light like okay, which you, one is your fave now you're playing with me because you wouldn't do um, it. hamburgers or quesadillas which is it <laughs> see it's awkward right it's hard to break that yeah 
glass ceiling or whatever it is, yeah, that yeah. moment where you can actually talk to them about something that might be specific to the show. Well, I'll do you one better. Oh, good. Uh, I'm going to save it for the end of the show. Let me tease it. Yes. Uh, I am the kook of the week for oh, myself. And oh, I had good. a very similar situation to oh, you. Oh, good. Thank God. This is interesting. So, I thought I was... Well, we're both kooks of the week, apparently. Yeah. Nominate yourself. I'll nominate myself. And uh, But again, I'm teasing that for the end of the show. Listeners, you got to stick around to hear my kook story. All right. Fair enough. Um, I'll tell you... So I had a listener email me and say that he found the show based on your surf reports that you do. And he said that he wanted to hear your process for the surf report. How do you compile your information and deliver the goods? Well, that's interesting. Tell tell listeners about the surf report. Well, yeah. So I do surf reports in San Diego County. Um, I do them in the morning and I do afternoon reports as well. And I do them for KPBS radio, the NPR affiliate in San Diego um, out of um, San Diego State University. And so um, my process, it's somewhat proprietary, but basically I look at the buoys, you know, I live near the beach. I look at the waves. I'm, as you know, David and listeners know, I'm, I'm a hardcore surfer in the sense that I'm around the ocean. I'm in the water. I, I surf. I have the opportunity to surf every day. And oftentimes I do. And oftentimes more than once a day. So my point is I'm surrounded by what's going on in San Diego County. I grew up in San Diego County. I know the region like the back of my hand. So um, I'm, you know, I'm a good person to do the report. So I check, I check winds. I check buoys. I know by experience what the swell's doing. I check stormsurf.com. I check surfline.com. I check um, soulspot.com. I use as many resources online as I need to. Yeah. And um, of course, the best resource is the, you know, 35 years of experience I have in San Diego County. Yeah, it's funny. I, I mean, I'll go to the beach sometimes with people who are kind of new to the beach or new to surfing. I'll look at one spot, you know, driving down PCH in Huntington, look at Golden West Street. And just based on that one look, I could tell you what it's like in Newport, what it's like at the pier, what it's like everywhere yeah, else within. Exactly. And the person I'm with is just like, how do you know? What do you know? You know, right. it's like, no. Because I've driven there I've 15 times. Yeah, times. For 15 years, I've been driving there and I know yeah. exactly what's yeah. And it does change, by the way, like the sandbars shift. So I know. But I also have been driving this coast for the last two weeks every day. And I know which sandbars are where at this given moment. So yeah. it actually becomes pretty intuitive. You know? Yeah. Um, so that was well, Griffin cool. emailed that and was curious. Cool. The other Stop. comment that I got on surfsplendorpodcast.com, which is something that was kind of bizarre to me, but I wanted to get your feet, your take on it. Uh, commenter said, Dave, love the podcast. And given your and Scott's propensity for discussing the finer points of English language, I have a question or perhaps a comment on the semantics of the green room, a.k.a. the tube, a.k.a. the barrel. The word tube, as I first understood it, stood it as a grom in the early 80s, was a reference to an open-ended cylinder of water from which the skilled surfer could emerge. The word barrel, on the other hand, connoted a closed-up place where you did not emerge. Tubes were made, barrels were not. When you told your friend you got tube, that meant you came out, and you were probably lying. Barrels, on the other hand, were common closeouts. Thrilling indeed, but not the ultimate stoke we all seek. Uh, my question is, is there a difference between those two things or am I thinking too much about it? What are your thoughts? Uh, why don't you go first? I never, to me, they were interchangeable. Like he's saying he thought a barrel was a closeout and a tube you made. To me, I used barrels and tubes interchangeably. One nor the other didn't reference a closeout or not. If it was a closeout, you had to mention a closeout. Yeah, you know, um, 
I, I'm with you. First yeah. of all, barrel and a tube's always been the same thing. Okay, you know? cool. Um, a closeout's just a closeout tube or whatever, yes. you know. A barrel might be more of like a fast spinning kind of roping section and a tube might be more open. But again, this is just all sort of we're nitpicking. But I wonder if it's regional. Like wherever he grew up, maybe they did use it that specific way. Um, sure it is. Sure yeah, it's. I mean, I, I kind of have used barrel to describe something that maybe was a bit more hollow and thick and like throaty. Yeah. Like, cause a tube can just be like a thin, like falling lip. That's like almondy and like, right. you just get like a barrel's kind of proper. Right. You know, barrel's more like draining. Drenched. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I, I do the surf report every day. And so because of that, you know, you can only say it's going to be like three to four feet or whatever the semantics are the the lexicon of our culture is you can only there's only so much so i'm constantly trying to evolve it and kind of push the boundaries you know yeah. and, and for instance this morning i used the word autumnal you know like that, autumn right like it, it, it's the first morning where feel it, there's an autumnal feel to it yeah. you know and so i'm constantly trying to like you know not go overboard but sort of push the lexicon a little bit yeah. in sort of an academic way because it's on kpbs as opposed to oh bro sick barrel like to me that's just okay right you know there's nothing wrong with it but it's been done let's try to let's try to give ourselves a little bit um higher calling yeah especially with vocabulary well i liked brad's question because there is so much nuance in our surf vocabulary that falls on the deaf ears of say my parents who listen to the podcast because they'll ask me they'll be like hey what did you and scott mean when you said you know the term lineup does that mean there's a line of surfers in the in the water and you're in line waiting for your wave it's like no 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 the lineup is just the waves itself you know um so there is a lot of nuance one thing that i like that i heard andy irons say one day i think it was in a bill ballard film uh, where he was surfing the box in Western Oz. Uh, those waves are so square. Those tubes, those barrels are so square. He said, he goes, yeah, man, there were just squirrels out there. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's a barrel, but it's so square. It's not even round anymore. It's square. And so he referred to it as a squirrel. And I was like, dude, that's so good. It is a squirrel. Yeah, it's neat the way that the, our vocabulary does evolve, right? Yeah. And Chris Cote for years had that bro, the bro dictionary. What did he call it? The broisms. Oh, I don't remember that. Well, on trans world surf, he had yeah, broisms yeah, right. where it's right. like a, he's a professional. Like you put bro onto everything, and and I've even I was surfing at the Del Mar River mouth probably fifteen or twenty years ago with a buddy, and there was these other two guys out. It was early in the morning, and it was kind of like today, like lumpy windswell and chunky and stuff. And um, and throaty and, and mean a little bit. And we overheard one of the guys that we were happened to be surfing next to speaking to his buddy. And he goes, oh, my God, I just got the sickest lumpy wagon. And me and my <laughs> friend just were like, oh, my God, that's the greatest phrase ever because it's kind of <laughs> like lumpy wagons out here. And so I used that term in my surf forecast one time. I'm like, oh, there's some lumpy wagons out there, you know. That is hilarious. And, and right, our lexicon evolves. It's kind of fascinating. For instance... And on this show, maybe 10 years ago, or I don't know, maybe five years ago, I've only been doing the show 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. So whenever it was, at some point, I tried to in, I tried to crowbar a new word. And maybe I did it with you. I don't even recall. But it was a while ago. So we got sick of the word sick. We're like, oh, the waves are sick. We're like, and so we started saying, oh, it's kind of ill out there. And then ill turned into nauseating, which we abbreviated to nause. So the term Nas, like, oh, how is it? That's kind of Nas. 
Nas is basically saying sick. And, this is the, and that one never caught on. Didn't though. catch on. <laughs> so I'm still trying to get it to catch on. In fact, I sent Matt Warshaw an email the other day. I don't know if you saw Matt's yeah. was in the New Yorker or something about yeah. being the guy they go to to explain surf well, vocabulary. He's the Oxford English Dictionary's consultant for surf uh, terminology. Right. So I think the As New Yorker wrote be. a piece on that, which they were just asking like, how do words get included? How do words evolve? Like where, you know? Yeah. And so I sent Matt, I read that and I said, Matt, you're going to hate this because he said something about sick. He made some comment about, oh, the waves are sick, bro, or something. Yeah. One of the ending lines of the article. So I said, hey, I've been involving the word sick. And I explained what I just explained here about Nas. And he was just like, I'm, there's a little bit of vomit in my mouth right now <laughs> based on that. That's but it's funny. fascinating. And I know David and I would love to hear from you guys if you have some other um, evolving vocabulary or changes to the lexicon that um, that you know about in your region. Um, and of course, Australians have got some of the oh, yeah. best stuff well, ever. I'm surprised squirrel never <laughs> took off. Like Andy using squirrel legitimizes the term already because he's Andy and because he's getting shacked at the box, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm surprised that never really took off. I've got an interesting email that I it's might here. read. <clears throat> it's kind of long, so bear with me. I'll do my best. It's from Matthew... I think it's Doty or Doty, D-O-T-Y, Matthew Doty or Doty. What do you don't know? Anyway, Matthew writes, he says, hey, guys, love your podcast. Love listening while I'm building boards. I actually work for an apprentice under Dave Mel, John Mel's younger brother. Hmm. I told Dave about the icons of foam, which is happening when I heard the shape off was honoring his brother, John. I think he might fly to Santa Cruz to check it out. Dave grew up just like Peter Mel working in the factory. And I just thought I'd ask if there's any chance Dave might get a chance to participate in the shape off. He still shapes and builds boards start to finish four to six days a week, depending on his tea times. He owns and operates the surf shop in Paella um, called Surfboards Maui. And he makes sups for the world tour Japanese guys. And he still makes Peter Mel's Jaws boards, which Peter actually rode in the last heat of the Eddie this year. There's some pics of Pete on an Instagram, Surfboards Maui. Um, anyway, it never hurt to ask. I love your podcast. Your story about being oversensitive to the lineup was great. It hit very close to home. Here's my rant on PTSD surfers. The, the term surf douchery defined. I got this email too. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. When there's only two to four people in the lineup and one of those two people on a bigger board normally feels it's their right to paddle past you every time they see a wave coming on an inconsistent south swell. Oh, my God. Matt, that might be me last week, it by was. the way. Uh-oh. How do you know it was? I'm just <laughs> this leads to what I now refer to as PTSD, otherwise known as post-traumatic surf douchery. PTSD, post-traumatic surf douchery. That's when there's only two to guys in the line, two to four guys in the lineup, and the guys on the bigger board just feel like it's their right to paddle past you every time. Anyway, I'm going to shorten that email, but that's from Matt. Yeah, that's funny. It's a good I suffer email. from PTSD all the time, dude. Wow. Good um, email, Matt. PTSD. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. 
everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. Free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Scott, let's get into the show. 30 minutes in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you're into golf, right? I am. What's up with slates at the Ryder Cup, dude? With How cool with was Phelps? that? Did you see that birdie? I saw I didn't see it. In? No, I didn't see any of the oh, play. Man. I wanted. I didn't tell me about it. I had no. Well, and by you, the way, I watched the Ryder Cup start to finish Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I was on it because I've been sick. I've been watching it. So, are you online right now? Yes. Can I send you this email? Yes. Um, I'm going to send you an email of. Actually, I'll just turn my computer so you can look at it. So the cool thing, right, was Phelps doing the warm up like he does before he swims. With the big arm wag. So uh, here we go. Slater we'll, on the what? Was that the fringe? What do you call that? Yeah, he's in the rough. He's short sighted. He's got about ten feet to the hole. He chips in. Bang. Slater for chips in. On hole number seventeen. Oh, that's seventeen. Wow, that is so cool. The guy's a great golfer, right? Yeah, totally. He's got an incredible golf swing, and uh, that's cool. Oh, actually, I was mistaken. That was at Pebble Beach last year. I oh, thought, okay, at the pro am. Oh, okay. but still. Yeah, I didn't see any footage of him from the Ryder Cup, but I did see still images of his swing and him playing out there, and he's got such a great looking. I mean, his follow through—he looks like a professional golfer. Like if you saw his follow through, you'd be like, "Wow." Well, he's with. Um, so I guess the Ryder Cup, it's Australia versus Cal. Or no, versus it's U.S. It's or the United States versus Europe. It happens every got two it, years. It. They just gotcha. finished it. The U.S. has lost three years in a row. We just won the Ryder Cup back, right. the trophy. This year, yesterday, as a matter of fact. So there's celebs partnered with pros? No, the celeb thing happens. It's a pro-am that happens before the actual event. Got it. It's like a money-raising, you know, it's part of the hoopla. But it has nothing to do with the actual event. Got it. Except for it's a pro-am before the event. It's pre-event festivities. Got it. Very cool. Um, Unrelated, have you seen the preview for the Bunker documentary? I have, and um, I'm, I'm, you and I have talked about, I need to watch, I'm sure it's a great film, and I look forward to well, seeing it. Well, it's not it. out yet, but. And I don't, see, I don't want to, like, poo-poo this film. <laughs> but. But. <laughs> and because it, it could be great, and I could eat my feet here, and, you know. Um, Creating new terms as well, not just words, <laughs> but new new phrases, metaphors. <laughs> Eat my feet? Eat what my is that? feet. Put when you put your, your foot in your mouth. And then you chew it down. And you chew it down. Got it. Yeah, eat my feet. Got it. Um, but I guess what I want to say is that I'm not over en- enamored with Bunker Spreckles as a character to, like, get excited about. Okay. I mean, here's the thing. And the reason is he was a rich guy that had a bunch of money that, like, 
what did he do? He took a bunch of drugs and, he and surfed radically and banged a bunch of chicks. And like, that's fascinating story. I think it is when you're 22 years old, but I think when oh, you're, dude, I disagree. When it, you're 52 years old, it's like, did you read Keith Richards biography? Like I did. Yeah. Cause yeah, but he's still, still alive. It's still fascinating to me. It's because, so like, what about how did Jim Bunker, Morrison? How did like, Bunker Spreckles die? Drug overdose. I'm not sure. Yeah. No, it's sad, but I'm saying it's compelling. But story. is it sad? It, it de- human, we don't know uh, yet. The loss of human life is sad. No, but period. we haven't. But are they going to portray it that way? In Who other knows? Words, Who knows? All right, I'm saying which is, is my point. I haven't seen the film yet, so I'm not sure. But I sense that there's a lot of people that really like bow down to Bunker Spreckles, and I'm kind of like, what dude, you're, you're the anti, guy's a drug addict. Yeah, you're anti glorifying the drug addiction. Exactly. I'm anti that too, but I'm. That's not necessarily what this is. All I'm saying is he's a fascinating character who lived an outrageous life, and that makes for good story. I agree with that. I, I agree I'm with hoping you. Don't that we get the it. full version. The full, like, I'm sure that there's some real dark moments, and I'm hoping that the filmmaker brought those out. I'm sure that he did, and so I can't wait to see the film. I, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he did. But maybe he if didn't. it's a film where it's like Bunker was the greatest, he had lots of money, super fun to be around. We partied hard. The guy surfed waves all over the world, bang chicks. What a great guy. Yeah. Then I'm a little like, I don't think that's the whole story. Absolutely not. I have no comment on what the documentary is. What And I don't either, which is why I'm asking I'll, you, why did you bring it up? And why did you put me on the hot seat like this? Because now I feel like the bad guy. You are the bad guy. You're always the bad Damn guy. Damn you, David Lee No, Scales. here's the thing. We have fascinating figures in surfing. There, there are, I mean, I mentioned it in reference uh, in my intro for my past show about Let's Be Frank, that film. We have the most fascinating characters in this sport. This sport, surfing, requires a very athletic lifestyle. It requires a nomadic lifestyle. It requires a lifestyle where you kind of abandon all of your other obligations. That creates and it attracts fascinating figures. For sure. And so Bunker, Bunker Spreckles, is an interesting character who I would like to learn more about. I'd like to see more about. I'd like to hear from the people who are around him. I would like to watch the waves that he surfed. And so for all those reasons, I I'm grateful that. that somebody is creating a documentary about him. Yeah. Whether who they glorify, exactly is Bunker's Brick? Whether they glorify it or not is yet to be seen. And then we'll have, uh, I'm sure, a nuanced commentary about the filmmaker and his work. Takuji Masuda is the filmmaker's name. And um, I've heard, I've, I've read a little bit about this gentleman and he seems like a great guy. And that's why he's I'm, like a qualified filmmaker. Yeah I'm, yeah. I'm sensitive to be the guy that's poo pooing a film that I haven't seen yet. That's not even out. Yeah. I'm just putting out a, a, a concern that sure. I'm hoping that we get the full picture that if young people that go to the film, because this guy lived the hard and fast rock and roll lifestyle also walk away from the film that. Although that's a lot of fun, it can also lead to things that aren't so great. That's my, and you know, maybe that's the film I need to make. Maybe that's not the film that this gentleman made. I don't know. We're, I'm looking forward to seeing it. We'll see. Because yeah. I agree with you. Look, when I believe me, when I was 25 years old, I was all about that Keith Richards, Bunker Spreckles, let's live that lifestyle. That's the coolest thing ever. You know, drive fast, ride hard, rock and roll, who cares? But, um, you know, now looking back in hindsight, I'm like, gosh, you know. Maybe if I had been told some other, you know. know. All I know is I'm grateful for art. I'm grateful for people that put time and effort and energy and resource into telling stories. And this seems like a great story that I would like to see told 
Um, it does. And again, the filmmaker, from what I've read, yeah. is over is very qualified. Is a great surfer, by the way, from the pictures I've seen. Oh, I didn't know. Is that. a good person. Like I'm not here to poo-poo this guy's film. So well, why did film, you put me in this position? The film, I was just asking you if you've heard about this documentary. That's <laughs> all. You just jumped I in. I immediately dude. raised my arm. I'm just concerned. I think uh, part of it is me, like the Andy Irons thing. It's like, are we going to get like the full version or are we going to continue to to like – there's a dark side to this. And I just want to make sure that the dark side – that the all sides of the picture get told. Well, you've made your point, Scott. Let me give let me I'll give let me now. give listeners a little insight into the film and Bunker. Um, the film's called Bunker Seventy Seven, and it's the wild, true story of Bunker Spreckles, a young American rebel seeking freedom, love, and authenticity in a chaotic world. He pushed the limits of surfing in the late sixties by riding very short boards in the most critical waves. All the while, his mysterious and surreal persona exposed exploded to consume him. Oh, Interesting, cool. right? That is, yeah, and it sounds like they're going to touch on all of it. So, because so, he yeah. was consumed, I'll, I'll post the trailer on surfsplendorpodcast dot com. They've got a bunch of um, he was the heir to some big Spreckles fortune. Spreckles Sugar. That's what it was, a yeah. sugar, yeah, yeah. Um, traveled in Hollywood circles. Just, he had billions and billions of dollars, millions and millions of dollars at his fingertips. By the way, I heard a really fascinating detail about the difference between a million and a billion. Would you like to hear yes, this real quick? Please. I mean, for anybody who's interested, because you hear things like, oh, Johnny Depp has $50 million. You're like, oh, that's a lot. And then Oprah has 1.5 billion. And you're like, well, that's a lot, but they're pretty much the same because it's just a lot. Right. No, no, no. There's a significant difference. Yes. I'm going to put it into seconds. Okay. Okay. One million seconds is 12 days long. Guess how long one billion seconds is? 12 years? 32 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So isn't that unbelievable? Yeah. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So using so that. So a million is 12, 12 minutes. 12 days. 12 days. 12 days. In seconds. In seconds. Yeah. And in seconds, a billion is 32 years. Yeah. Nuts, right? Nuts up. I mean, hard to even believe. So 1.5 billion is a lot more than 1 million. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like... We I'm, are so like smart. A, a, billion, a billion is just like inconceivable. You know, like so much grander than it is, 50 man. million That's would be in that, in that Johnny Depp. I have no idea what their net worths are. I just pulled those numbers out of the air. But it, it gives you a better understanding for... Well, let's look forward. Let's urge everyone to see the Bunker Spreckles film. We'll, we'll talk about it when it gets released. And there's on their website, uh, Bunker 77. And it'd be cool if somehow this conversation gets to the filmmaker. Maybe we can interview the filmmaker. That yeah. would be really cool. Speaking of films, the same weekend this coming up here, the October 8th and 9th in Santa Cruz. Yeah. The Santa Cruz Surf Film Festival is happening at the Rio Theater just down the street from the boardroom. Perfect. And they're showing some great films. Um, one of them on Bruce Gold, who's the that hippie guy from South Africa. Mm -hmm. um, one of them oh, on the wedge, oh, the, the long hair dude that surfs. Yeah, uh, J Bay. J Bay. All the yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, live, yeah. like feral. I think he lives in the bushes, or I'm not sure where he lives, but he's got that feral vibe going. Yeah, no, he's just he's got lived, like cats and dreadlocks in his hair. And he's shit, he's like lived off the land and people's generosity and like selling fruit at the beach, like for 50 years surfing J Bay. His only objective was to surf J Bay all the time. And so, yeah, fascinating dude. Um, yeah, that's, I didn't know that there was that film festival. So I'll check that out while I'm there. Um, did you see 
the dumbest dolphin in the world in Western Oz. I did. That was so cool. I mean, this I'm could glad be, no one got hurt. This could be a must see moment, but it's not because I have a better one. Um, basically, this dolphin jumped on a Grom. Like, I'll post the video again on surfsplendorpodcast.com, but this kid was paddling out at, uh, I don't know what spot he was at. Do you know where he was? It was a long left. Western Australia? Yeah, somewhere in West Oz. Anyways, they caught this on film. The kid's paddling out over the shoulder of a wave, and a dolphin breaches, like just leaps, like dolphins happen to tend to do. Like they surf in the wave, and then occasionally they'll breach and jump out of the water with the wave. That's what the dolphin's doing, but lands on the kid. The kid's paddling out. He sees the dolphin breach, and it's headed directly for him. And thankfully, he had enough time to process it and then kind of roll off of his board. So the dolphin lands kind of on him and his board. Thankfully, the kid didn't get injured. But, I mean, a dolphin has to weigh hundreds and hundreds of, I mean, 400 pounds. I don't know. It's like thick muscle and meat. Did you see the board? Yeah. What happened to the board? Yeah. So the dolphin's nose went all the way through the punctured. deck, punctured the deck of the board. Yeah. So just imagine if it was the kid, you know, right. like there would have been some definitely broken rib. If the or nose hit directly in the kid for yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Yeah. You so, know what my takeaway from that was, was how good of waves those Groms get to surf in WA. Like that yeah. was just like a normal day for I them know. surfing. Yeah. And well, here you, it would have been, you know, all time, best ever, left point. It's good, but you're going to get attacked by a dolphin, dude. <laughs> <laughs> There's risk true. involved. That is and true. And lots of sharks. But Speaking it, of which, it's, another kid in WA got attacked by a shark. Yeah. Or no, but Ballina. Was it Ballina yeah. on the East Coast? Yeah, it yeah, was yeah. on the East Coast, not the West Coast. Well, my thought with this dolphin thing real quick is I've seen dolphins coming directly at me, as have you, when you're paddling out and there's Super a wave scary. coming. Super scary. And you need to duck dive and you see these dolphins like a pod coming right at you and you're just like, well, they have sonar. And I'm sure they see me and they do this all day, every day. So I'm sure they're going to avoid me. But I always wonder, they're going to get it wrong one of these times. And they're going super fast and we're going to collide. My life is in these dolphins' hands right now. And that is super scary. (laughs) It is, man. And and their sonar might be slightly off. You know? Yeah. So this kid, thankfully, survived no injuries. But it's a really, really um, fascinating video. So check that out surfsplendorpodcast.com I'll have the video clip there what else do you got Scott I've got another email I just want to read real quick it's uh, hi Scott and Dave longtime faithful listener just dropping a note about the Duke and Kook nomination Scott Bass is my Duke for pioneering surf podcasts and faithfully delivering for many years. Scott is to surf podcasting what Laird is to tow in surfing. (laughs) And I have a deep well of respect and gratitude for all the content he's produced. I don't like where this is going. I'm going to say it right now. (laughs) David, you are next week's Duke. Mm. I love what you are doing independently, which is your surf splendor podcast.com which has got a bunch of great interviews and with scott and i gobble up everything you put out there please help grandpa bass digitally curate his treasure trove of shows keep up the fantastic work fellas you are the torchbearers of stoke and i honor you with every listen aloha and shred on mendo matt i love mendo matt now what a cool email and i replied this we got this about a month ago and i don't get all my emails in time but um well, I thought, and it, I think he led me to post. I posted some older yeah, shows. There's a yeah. couple of older shows, and I'll try to get through those. But this is the big boardroom international surfboard show week. Yeah, and we're all gearing up for that coming yeah. up. Well, it's funny as you 
started that email saying that he nominated you as the Duke. I just assumed I was going to be the kook. So I was glad to hear like, I got to admit, I'm a little disappointed that you weren't, but you know, Hey, this week you are the kook. Oh, that's true, actually. I am. Do you want me to get into that real quick, um, or do you have something else? I, have I mean, we got to talk me, Quicksilver Pro France. Let which me is do out. my quick thing here, if you will. There's these two guys, Ryan and Craig Higginbotham. Do you know about these guys? No. They set out from Alaska on a 22 mile prone paddleboard journey to the Mexican United States border. From Alaska, prone paddling. All the way to the Mexican-United States border. What the heck? Only using their hands for propulsion without the support of a boat, David. And they think they're going to be done in July. At least that was their aim. Here we are, October 3rd. Um, and right now, they're at El Capitan, which is in Santa Barbara, north of Santa Barbara. They made it to El Cap? Yeah, they've already made it to El Cap. That's insane, dude. How many miles are we talking? Oh, man, that's a great question. But That would be the first thing that you should accumulate no it's 2200 miles oh okay 2200 miles okay sorry i missed that part yeah 2200 it says here that well this is what they say right now it's looking like we'll finish up by mid to late october but you never know with weather and swell this is what they wrote from their camp in carmel again now they they have this cool little um gps thing that you can click on that tells you exactly where they are and they're, they're literally today camping at el capitan okay and um their cause is they're both they're both california state lifeguards from pismo beach um, they've been surfing most of their lives. They're hardcore surfers. They've wanted to have an adventure of a lifetime after they graduated from college. And they've just kind of put it upon themselves to do this and hopefully raise a little bit of awareness for coastal converse conservation uh, along the way, as well as an homage to all watermen. So they've got these 18 feet, 18 feet foot long, 18 foot long bark paddle boards, custom made. Like they've, each, they've each broken a board already. They've had some scary experiences, um, most notably where the Columbia River lets out into the ocean there in Oregon, which is just, it's one of the most dangerous places in the world as far as boating and navigation due to all the shoals and the sandbars and stuff. It's, you know, Coast Guard's just like, stay away, you know, it's hmm. super dangerous. And um, they've had run-ins with, you know, sharks and um, a few bears here and there. Um, but most of all, I think the you know, the biggest thing is just what an ordeal this is. Like yeah. a- after a while, you're just like, Oh God, here we go again. I mean, it's kind of miserable. They just paddle up onto the beach, pitch a one man tent, slide into it in their wet wetsuits and fall asleep and try to like muster up, you know, some sort of like dried food ration here or there. And you know, that their mother sends them or they will try to get a meal from, you know, somewhere along the way from a kind hearted soul or whatnot. Insane. Dude. So these two guys are on one of those adventures of a lifetime, and um, it's pretty crazy, you know. And Absolutely. again, because they're sort of in our wheelhouse now, they're in Southern California more or less. Um, and although we have listeners from all around the world, you and I being from here, I'm just sending it out. If you see these guys, reach out and say hello to them, Casey and Ryan Higginbotham. They're on this trip, and like I said, they're in the Santa Barbara region. Who knows where their next stop will be? They basically paddle for five days in a row. Or wait, yeah, they paddle five hours a day for four days in a row, and then they rest for five days, and then they do five days in a row for five hours each day, then they rest for five days, so four days. So that's sort of their plan. So they're only paddling five hours a day. Yeah, week, dude. No, are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, put in a full eight-hour day, kids. Jeez, <laughs> just Lame. kind of miserable. I think at this point they're like, we can't wait for this thing to get over. You know, yeah, and, sure. Um, 
But they well, they do have an adventure of a lifetime, and I'm sure that hopefully they can make it into uh, some sort of travelogue or book or movie or what. I was going to say, I'm sure we'll see a movie about this in five years. Um, I think Patagonia is sort of behind them as a pseudo sponsor, and yeah. um, but I think at the very at the very end of the day, this is really about them going. You know what? Let's do something that we can tell our family and our kids about and all that. And yeah, and I I applaud them for for taking on life and you know yolo right you only live once there do, do you do any prone paddling i haven't in a long time but i used to do you have a paddle board i did but i you know that 11 foot board that i have now is quite a paddler yeah totally but, but it's, it's not nothing properly. no no it's yeah. nothing like what yeah. these guys do and and i hang around and about and am acquaintances with a lot of prone paddlers totally. because um a lot of those guys a big chunk of those guys um, surf and paddle right where I surf and, and hang out. You yeah, know, at we, Cardiff. So. We had your buddy on the show a couple of years ago, the guy who got lost at sea for. Oh yeah, hours. Johnny Kessel. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys that there's a whole crew. They call themselves NCP North County Paddlers. Yeah, Brian Szymanski, sort of the one of the ring masters, along with um, this guy named Rock and um, and um, George. There's a whole crew of guys. Yeah, I have no interest, dude. Yeah, you know, I I. I, I like to have fun, <laughs> right? And that's just pure <laughs> just work. Luke. Well, there's downwind runs which are fun, but if I'm going to do that, <clears throat> I'd rather be doing it stand up. And is it more fun than catching waves? Well, downwind runs, you are catching waves. You know what I mean? No, but seriously, like you'd be surprised. You're but you're not standing up. No, but there's this moment where you catch an open ocean swell that hasn't broken and hasn't crested, where there's there's energy in the form of a cylinder underneath the wave that you pick up and you feel and you, you vibe out on it. And yeah. it's actually quite energizing and doing a proper downwind run is something that you should do just as, and for the record, David raised his eyebrows in a scoffing manner, but it should be noted that David also had this feeling about longboarding and look at him now buying a longboard. So I guarantee the nine out of 10 surfers would be would enthusiastically embrace a proper downwind uh paddle run super fun all right and definitely surfing all right if riding waves is what you like downwind runs are for you i I haven't even transitioned into a stand-up paddle yet i feel like that would be the stepping stone before prone paddle right um I would have asked you to kindly not go to that route. No. Because you're going to advocate for stand-up paddle and alienate even more listeners? No, because I don't want stand-up paddle. No, I don't care. You know what? I did it the other day. I do stand-up paddling. And and whatever puts a smile on your face, I I would just ask everyone to be kind and considerate, myself included. Because Lord knows I can be that post-traumatic surf douchery guy who... Who, you know, paddles past everybody. It's so weird, like, the concept of surfing. Like, isn't the purpose to go out and catch waves? And if I'm on a craft, why can't I go out and catch that wave? And do I have to be considered of 300? Let's say there's 30 people in the lineup. Do I have to be considered of all 30 of them? At what point do you just throw your hands in the air and go, guess what? Every man for himself. Well, let me ask you an extreme example. Of course, example. I'm the first guy to let's say there's a, Let's say a wave runner shows up in the lineup, and they're going to catch waves on their wave runner. How would you feel about that? Wave runner meaning a motorized vehicle? Yeah. I don't think You'd that's be, okay. Yeah, of course not. Because it's, motor- gonna... it's not self-propelled. Oh, so now you have a criteria? That's the line in the sand. Okay, exactly. Self-propulsion. Yeah, well, 
with a paddle without a paddle because that's another line no i agree you're going out there with a paddle that's not exactly self it's it's self-propelled yeah but you're using but your energy is creating the power to well my energy and my thumb on the wave runner pushing the button to make it go faster or the no but there's a motor that's that's a motor oh well the motor's the difference yeah the motor is not self-propulsion then the motor well we're all self-propelled you know what i'm saying yeah i do and i'm trying to help you know, make the line that's gray really black and white. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying the, there's an argument, obviously, against the stand-up paddle for the reasons that I'm making, which is you got to define it somewhere. And laying down on the thing is the Here's the interesting thing. And people that surf in and around and near me will tell you this. I can catch more waves on my 11-foot prone surfboard than the guys on the stand-up paddles can catch. So if we're going to say, oh, you can surf out here but without a paddle – because you catch too many waves. Well, what about that? Those three guys on their 11-foot gliders, Devin Howard, Scott Bass, and Cyrus Sutton, and Ryan Birch, who can catch every single wave they want on their 11- and 12-foot boards. Yeah. You know, so now are we going to say, okay, all surfboards have to be nine feet and under, and now we're getting into regulating and laws, and it's that's not what surfing line, is about. And can't we all just get along? And, and the answer is yes, no, maybe so. Yep. The answer is... It's a really nuanced, detailed etiquette that you and I fully understand and respect when we're out there in the lineup. And part of becoming... And a often certain, break. Sure. I mean, I'll be the and first one to say we justly. often... And sometimes not knowing it. You know, like yeah. we're breaking it in someone else's eyes when we're just like out there having fun and they're going, look at that guy catching all the waves. And we haven't even... There's no malice intended. We just think we're out doing what we normally yeah. do, which is paddle around and catch waves, which I've been doing for 35 years. What? Uh, oh, now I have to... I didn't know. And so, but I am sensitive to these things as we all are, as was mentioned by, I think, Matthew in one of those emails. Yeah. It's just but a fascinating also, thing. Also, when you're learning surf, learning how to surf, so much of it is just learning the etiquette and these details that we're talking about. And very little of it is actually standing up on a wave and learning how to surf the board. Like the first couple of years, you're just learning these things, you know, what's appropriate and what's not. And there's like, layers and layers of it so that if you are on that 11 foot glider and I see you get every set wave of the day, guess what? Now I'm going to take it upon myself to burn you because you know what? You shouldn't be. Please do. You know, I'm the first one to say, you know what? You should go. Yeah. You're it's okay. In fact, I funny. I got into it with a stand up paddler the other day and I don't, I hate that. I, there's nothing that I hate more than having a confrontation because it's just stupid ego on my part. Let's hear it. Which is anyone else? The confrontation. It was, it was a, it was a stand-up paddler, and he dropped in on me once, and I was like, fine, whatever. No big deal. He actually dropped in on yeah, you. Yeah, he dropped in on me. I was okay. going, and he dropped in on All me. Right. Well, and I'm like, whatever, you know? Sure. But it was obvious that he knew I was coming down the line, and he just went anyway because he wanted to catch a wave, and I get it. That's fine. You know, it's a two-foot day. It's not like it was some big ordeal. Mm-hmm. But then he did it again. And so now my ego creeps up and it's like that ain't right you know you know and i get all start like pounding internally on my gorilla chest what's the gorilla's name hamarachi or whatever (laughs) harambi harambi (laughs) i get all harambi right hashtag harambi and and he and he drops in on me and i just come up right up behind him and i'm like literally like this close with my 11 foot longboard and he has to kick out and i paddle out and paddle up to him like dude what's the deal you know He's like, oh, what do you mean? Blah, blah, blah. And I forget what he said. And I'm like, well, you cut me off. You dropped in on me. You know, he's like, I'm just trying to catch waves like you. And, you know, like what he said made sense. It's probably the same argument I've made a million times. Yeah. You know? 
And I just realized the whole thing is just stupid. You know, yeah. it's just stupid. But what had happened is my ego had been bruised because I felt like he shouldn't have dropped in on me, which he shouldn't have. But here's what I will say, David, if you drop in on me, please do. All I ask is that you go fast enough so that we can ride the wave together. There's plenty of room for both of us. Right. If depending you, on where we're at. Well, and how long my 11-foot board is <laughs> relative to where you're at. But um, I welcome... You know, nine times out of ten, I'm like, just go. I don't care. I'm yeah. just trying to stay busy, or my back seizes up. I'll, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what. With that long or uh, stand up paddler, I think oftentimes, maybe in this guy's scenario, the thing is like a cruise ship. And once you commit to a wave, it might have he might have committed to that thing and paddling and building momentum to catch it before you were even paddling way down the line. And now it's like he can't really adjust and kick out. He needs to see it through. Whereas on a short board, you can withdraw immediately, you know. So that might have been part of it. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. He but if he's going to do that. He the wave without the ability to withdraw. And, and yeah. his seed was spread all throughout. And it ruined and made an abortion, basically. Wow. That was such a disgusting metaphor that you picked. Thank you. <laughs> um, but also, if he's doing that, he should be doing it on the outside not on the inside well shoulder. he knew That's what he was weird. doing like he was good enough to know oh, i'm just gonna go oh, okay. he because you know yeah, you yeah. know you can sense sure. these things i'll tell you it wasn't like he was a total kook just going i'm so sorry he was like Ugh. he was like old salty guy yeah well interesting scenario that i was a, like a week or two ago i think it was last weekend i surfed in huntington waves are pretty big like head high south swell and i was just gonna go surf down the beach like by golden west 17th street and there was all these tents set up like a surf contest at golden west street but the tents most of them said unleashed that was the name of the event i was like that's weird is that a surf contest where you don't wear leashes like i don't know what's happening but whatever i'm gonna go surf next to it so i go and i I paddle out and uh, get a couple waves and paddle back out this set left is coming and i'm right up against the contest zone and I'm kind of stroking into it, but I see a stand-up paddler down the line really going for it. And it was a proper, like, overhead wave. I'm like, dude, that stand-up paddler is, like, going for a pretty legit one. Well, then I notice there's a dog on the board with him. <laughs> I was tripping. I'm like, not only is he going for a pretty legit wave, he's going with a dog. Well, what I realize is Unleashed is a, a contest sponsored by Petco, you know, a big national uh, – uh, pet store chain and they were doing this surf event and when they were calling the heats they weren't even using the surfers names they were using the dogs names so they're like in this next heat we have bowser versus rex versus maverick (laughs) yeah exactly it was all dogs and the dudes were ripping they were going on head high waves surfing them into the shore break and kicking out without the dogs ever being like having a wipeout, essentially. Okay, I this whole surfing dog thing because yeah. there was a guy on a stand-up paddleboard with his dog the other day, and the dog was barking the whole time, like barking that because I have dogs and I know kind of what dog barks are all about, and I sense that the dog was not having oh. a good time. Okay, and I think I got to think a lot of these dogs aren't having a good time. Well, I'm sure there are some that yeah. enjoy the heck out of it, yeah. but I sense that this is the ultimate form of all anything to, anything I can do to win a trophy, I will do. And if it means bringing my grandmother and my dog out on my board to surf in the like old lady old lady Bowser event, I'll yeah. do it so I can have another trophy on my mantelpiece. Yeah, it just I sense there's a lot of really lame ego here. Yeah, and I could be wrong. And again, I don't know. I, well, I, there's probably I want both. you to. 
I want you to look at some of these dogs because they always show it on the news. They're like, oh, great doggy surf contest today in Del Mar. And the dogs are, are scared shitless. Yeah. At least that's the vibe I get. I'm Most sure of some them. are. Yeah. There was the SPCA there. Like, they, the whole thing should be yeah. like firebombed. Yeah. It's not right. Animal cruelty. Yes. Yeah. That's the irony of it all, right? Right. Petco is putting on this animal cruelty event <laughs> in the guise of, isn't this fun? So some old guy on a longboard can win a trophy. Right. Well, okay, so let's talk Quicksilver Pro. Let's do a God, really <laughs> sharp right detour into the Quicksilver Pro France, which is starting, like you said, today, tomorrow. Um, let's look at the world ranking or the standing right now. The rankings. John John Florence is in first place by a fairly small lead over Gabriel Medina and then Matt Wilkinson, Jordy Smith. Kelly Slater is in fifth place. So a lot of interesting um, – uh, it's a really interesting world title race going into this event. Um, it's a venue that John John Florence has won in the past, France, the beach breaks in France, somewhere where I think he's kind of the most qualified to win, whether the waves are big or small, whether they're throaty barrels or kind of marginal conditions. I think he's kind of the guy that I'm going to put my money on. I, I, it could be argued that Gabriel... That, yeah. No, I'm talking about John John. John. Oh, okay. It could be argued that Gabriel Medina's also really well suited, but he hasn't actually won at this venue. And from what I remember anyways, uh, not at this level. I know he won, um, the Grom event there with a perfect 20 point heat total when he was a 16 or something. Well, there's a couple things that I think should be noted if you're trying to set your fantasy team or you're thinking about it. Um, is the John John injury going to affect him? It didn't affect him at lowers. No, it won't. And you know, there's a, there's a couple of other guys. Jadson Andre has has been this nagging thing that's been with him for a while, but he surfed pretty damn good. I think he had his best result at Lowe's. He made a final there. Oh no, he made a final in France previously. But he had a fifth, I think. At, did he? Did, didn't he do Maybe. good last month? I'm not Lowe's? sure. Yeah. So, but Jadson has an, a, a sort of a nagging injury thing. Um, I see Connor Coffin. Some of his boards might not have made it in time. I'm sure they're there now. I had Connor on my team. I bumped him off because it's like, are you going to expect Connor to do well in beach break conditions? I bumped him off my team too. Yeah. Um, and then the wild card, the two of them are both legit wild cards. And I put the one wild card on my team, the kid Leo that beat Slater at Margaret's and Leo Fioravanti. Yeah, that kid's legit. I put him on my team. And he has the easier draw of the two wild cards. The other one's Joanne Daru, yep. who's another great surfer. I, I think Leo's leading the QS, will be on the CT next year. Yep. And um, and they're kind of in that place where they're you know young, hot, and bothered and want to upset some people. And he spent tons of time in France. And this is the time of year where if you're in the – there could be some – some guys that are like, you know what? This is my last year on tour. Writing's on the wall, like Kai Otten or whoever that are just that you could go up against them and they're just going to mail it in, right? Because they know they can't requalify and they're not going to do the QS. Yeah. And I just I throw Kai. I don't know that's the case with him. I'm just, it is the case with I'm him. I'm just using him as an example. But it specifically is. So this is a these are these back half events, or especially in Europe, right? Where it's like, okay, these guys are mailing it in. They're drinking wine. They're partying, whatever. Yeah. And so you got to look out for for wild cards. I think. I'm going to offer a dark horse pick. I'm going to throw it out there right now. You can call me out next time we do this show. Tell me I was right or wrong. Uh, Adrian Buchan, I'm putting money on. I don't think that's a dark horse. Okay, fair enough. He's one. I, I think he flies under the radar, and he's not an exciting surfer, but here's the deal. 
The guy's won the event in the past. I think he's won. He's certainly made the final. I think he beat Slater, actually. He beat Slater yeah, in the final. A, there. He's won two he's events. He's on my team, and he's he, not a dog. He's won two events in his career, both of which he beat Slater in the final. You know? So one was France, one was Chopu. But Plus, he's a competitive machine in my eyes. He's a competitive eyes. machine. He's more of a machine than Nat Young. He's more reliable than Nat Young. I would agree. I mean, Nat Young is kind of the second coming, I would say, of Ace Bucking, but Ace has been beating Nat at his own, you know. Uh, so Ace is currently seventh in the world. He dropped a little bit in Trestles. I think he was like fifth prior or fourth prior to Trestles. But I really, it's like a guy who's kind of at the end of his career, who's having a resurgence, going into an event that he's you think won in Ace the past. Ace is at the end of his career? Totally, dude. How many years has he been on tour? Too many. <laughs> you sound like me. No, I don't think I, he's at the end of his career. I, I think he's in the prime of his career. Apparently so, dude. You're right. Maybe I'm just totally misunderstanding yeah. Ace. Um, he's been... I'm trying to look up how many years. You I know think. who's at the end of their career? Kai Otten, Alejo Muniz. Alejo's trying to make a resurgence. Jadson, you could say. Joel, for sure. Joel's sixth in the world right now, though. You know, so. So who do you, who are your picks for this event? Who's your dark horse pick? Who's your front see, runner? I'm going John John my front runner, Ace my dark horse. Um, well, I've got quite a few front runners on my team. I will say that um, who do I think my dark horse? I guess if I'm looking at my team, Leonardo's my dark horse, okay. but that's really dark. Like, is he? I don't plan on him going all the way to the finals. I just see him getting to round five or something like. You that. already picked him. Okay, that's Leonardo, that's full dark horse. But right. but I my team consists of Julian, John John, Gabriel, Kelly, Felipe, Leonardo, Ace, and Sebastian Zietz. Okay. Our teams are kind of similar. I've got Jack Freestone, Gabriel Medina, John John Florence, Idolo, Adrian, Felipe, Seabass, Slater. Slater, do you know? No Gabriel? I do. Gabriel, oh, yeah. Okay. Gabriel and John John. Um Slater, I picked him up for four, four million yeah. seven hundred fifty thousand yeah. bucks. I can't get rid of him now. Yeah, why got him you, so especially cheap? Especially you want him for pipe. Yeah, exactly. You know. Uh, all right, do you got uh, must see moment Duke and Coop? Uh, you know, there's. I, I saw. I saw. I wouldn't say it's must see moment, but I was watching a video of Noah Dean yesterday. I don't know if it's old or new. They just put out a new edit. No, it doesn't look like he's guys. surfing that good. Really. Maybe this isn't the same one I saw. I found it on Surfer Magazine. Mm. So the, it is a must-see moment? Or it's a I'm must, just saying must-avoid moment? Must-avoid moment. Right. I was sort of let down. He does a bunch of errors and stuff. He just looks kind of generic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my must-see moment is Jack Robinson's latest edit called Hollow Ground. It's got footage of him surfing Chopu, him surfing in West Oz. The kid's 18 years old now. We've been tracking him for a couple of years. He did really well at Pipe this last year as a wild card. Do you remember that? Taking out a bunch of big names, Mason Ho and stuff. Um, dude, the kid is so legit, man. He's the one The one funny comment, and it is kind of a criticism, that I saw was on Stab Mag. Somebody commented, yeah, but can he do a turn on a three-foot wave? <laughs> Which I thought was funny because all the footage is him getting shacked out of his mind at eight foot dredging barrels like in Chopu and West Oz. Um, but it's kind of a legitimate question where if you're going to try to become a competitive professional surfer, you have to dumb down your surfing to go surf the QS and qualify in marginal conditions. 
But when you're at the world tour level and you're surfing dredging eight foot waves, he's gonna he's gonna dominate. You know, the kid's amazing. And his style is so rad. He's got a very, very Andy Irons esque approach. Yeah. Really raw. He's got that Billabong sticker on his board. He's riding Eric Arakawa's in Hawaii. He just looks a lot like Andy. Cool. So I'm sacked. Jack Robinson, hollow ground, must see moment. You can see it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. Kids a stud. Yes. Um I see here that President Obama received some surfboards from John Pizel and artist Craig Stesick and J.P. Olson. Really? Yeah, the Obama was addressing the Olympians uh, at the White House, and part of that whole deal was some gifts for the upcoming 2020 Games, which, of course, will include surfing in, uh, in Japan. Wow. And so Pizel uh, was there, and J.P. Olson, who's an artist from, I guess, New York City or something, and, of course, Craig Stesick. Um, sort of a cultural provocateur from here in California. So that's kind of cool. The president got a couple of thrusters for his garage on his way out of office. Sweet. Yeah. Breaking Um, news. I'm just taking it straight from Surfer (laughs) Magazine, who, um, by the way, I want to give a shout out to Surfer Magazine because I I just happened to get a – the Mick Fanning issue. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good, you know. Mm. It's thin. They don't have a lot of advertising dollars there. But um, the editorial, I thought, was pretty good. The good. Mick, Mick Fanning thing was kind of cool. I don't know if you saw it. It was sort of that kind of classic, you know, it was a rough year for me. Shark attack, wife problems, blah, blah, blah. Taking Going to take brother some died. time. Br- brother died. Going to take some time off. And he kind of went on the party train for a little while and realized that that's not really where I am anymore. And... Um, and he's sort of like refocusing the second half of his year off here. And um, pretty cool. Very cool. Uh, I did not read it, but I and do And a cool, have it. a really great portrait of Mick Fanning by Grant Ellis. On, on the, the cover? On the cover, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mick's, uh, even though he took the year off, he has surfed two, three, four, five events. And he's ranked 13th in the world. So he's very likely to requalify, even though he took the year off um, to only surf specialty events. So... My Duke of the Week is Stephanie Gilmore for her latest film, The Tempest. Have you seen this? No. Holy cow, dude. Monster. I mean, I've heard about it. Monster Children, the magazine, put out this video edit. I think John Frank is the filmmaker. Uh, It's just so beautiful, dude. Like, it's not like high shreddability or anything like that or high, you know, but she surfs so freaking beautifully. And she she is ripping. There's no question that she's ripping. And she's surfing in Indonesia. Who is she? Remember what I said about her? Who is she? Steph Gilmore. Yeah. What's her? She's the WSL's. Oh, Lady Diana. Lady Diana. She's Princess Di. Princess Di. She's of Princess Di. Yeah. Of the entire surf world. Yeah. She's our Lady Di. I agree. She can do no wrong. She's gorgeous. She surfs gorgeously. I mean, this. She's so this, beautiful. She's gracious. She's got that. She's very. Um, what's the term? You know, she's kind of like. Everything she does is... She has an aura. Yeah, she's got the Princess Di aura, right? Yeah. Grace. She has grace. Yep. She's like... Um, who's JFK's wife? Uh, Jackie O. Jackie O. She's sort of got that Jackie O, Lady Di. Yeah. You know? She probably well, pens hand notes to people when she gets gifts, you know? On her so, custom uh, linen stationery. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. She totally. dabs the corners of the envelope with like a little... 
um, sponge, a kiss sponge. Yeah, like in, potion. Yeah, and like <laughs> stamps it, kisses it, and sends it off. Like, she's got a ton of grace. She really does. So, anyways, this video is just beautiful to watch. I clicked play, like kind of half paying attention at work, and then found myself for four minutes just transfixed on the screen. Like <laughs> Because she's so cow. pretty. No, it's not just that. It's the grace that you're talking about. Yeah. It's more than yeah. pretty, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. And the filmmaking is beautiful, and a lot of the shots that they used and left in were really interesting, like stuff that I would have left on the editing room floor, like wasn't like a rad turn. It was just like a way that she kind of, her body was positioned in the transition of the wave that just looked so rad. And it was so unique to her. Anybody else doing it, you would have left it out. But to be honest, I felt that way about Rob Machado at times, just a way that he's trimming at the moment or a way that he's transitioning in between something. Everything he does is photogenic, you know, and Stephanie Gilmore has a lot of that. And then it's, black and white and it's the song that they selected is this um jazz number that was just perfect and i loved it so my my duke is stephanie gilmore for revitalizing some of my love for the three minute surf edit even though i think it's five minutes rob machado was at the malibu event this summer about a month ago that i surfed in the surf aid cup and he was surfing in it and his surfing was so incredible and so smooth and so he's gotten better I think it's like because guy. he doesn't have to um, there's no need to sort of perform points. Right. And it's in, it, he's got so much flow yep. that he doesn't know what to do with it. Like the way he puts on his leash is like stylish, you know, yeah. like it's incredible the amount of style that comes out of that guy's surfing. It's he was absolutely smoothing the crap out of first point Malibu on a shortboard, you know. Yeah. And it was just mind-boggling. Yeah. Guys, these guys gotten better, in my opinion. It's it's a good reminder. That's what I want to be like. Like, forget about shredding. I just want that. You know, like, I want to look cool just going He can line. stand on his board and just trim. Yeah. And that, I think, is the key to um, all of us. When we pick a surfboard that we're going to ride based on the conditions, if you can go out and just stand on your board – and the board will go, then you've chosen the right board. Mm. And if you're going to catch a wave where you stand on your board and the board doesn't go, you're on the wrong equipment for that day. Right. Yeah. Good point. How's that for an opine? I agree. My kook of the week, as I told you, is myself. Would you like to know why? Yes, please. Um, why are you the kook of the week? I mean, the duke. I mean, the kook. You're the kook. The kook. I'm the kook. Because I attended Kelly Slater's art show a, pol- a political process in Venice Beach. And um, I talked to Derek and Chaz at Beach Grip beforehand, and they were like, like, send me Back some- up a minute. Say this part again. <laughs> Are you familiar with Kelly Slater's art show that he did yes. in Venice Beach? Yeah, it's a political. A-, a political process is the name of the show. Right. Yeah, so I told Derek and Chaz at Beach Grip that I was going. Right. They're like, send us some photos, send us your commentary, we'll publish it. Right. So I went to the show, came home at 11 o'clock at night, typed up a 10-minute email and sent it to them. Like, here's my commentary, 10 minutes and some photos, bang. Woke up in the morning, read it, and just went, dang it. (laughs) I should have edited. I should have spent some more time writing this thing. I feel kind of bad about it, what I wrote. Why? Why? What what did you write? Because it was disparaging. Oh, you were like... It was disparaging. Oh, you were like, this is lame? Pretty much. This Uh, is lame. And then I felt bad about it. See, it's so easy to go to the this is lame card that it... Like, that's not what we should be doing, right? Well, That's I why also, I backpedaled about the movie thing with Bunker. It's like, that's too easy. Like, yeah, there's got to be some redeeming stuff. Well, here. I'll post the article 
the Beach Grid article. I'll post it on surfsplendorpodcast.com. So listeners, if you haven't looked at that yet, you can find it. Um, basically, it was like just saying the art wasn't very good and I didn't understand it. And like then I made fun of Kelly's shoes. Oh, my God. Oh, I think I did read this. I think I saw this. I yeah. think Chaz was all excited about the shoe well, commentary. of course Chaz knows what the shoes are. I didn't know what they are. I just took a photo. And Chaz like, was like, this is the best thing ever. I love these shoes. Yeah, because they were Gucci's. Right. So Slater's wearing, by the way, I stand by this comment. They were silly shoes. Okay. So they okay. were they're white sneakers that were bedazzled with like rhinestone, red and green rhinestone. I was just like, those are silly. What's next? His teeth? So, so it turns out Chaz, obviously he's a fashionable dude, knows that they're Gucci shoes. So then he posts a separate article about the shoes themselves. But they're $695 Gucci shoes. So that – I stand by. Those are silly shoes. What is shoes. that in pesos? Chad's not a fashion guru. He's a Chaz. fashionista. Chaz, yeah. yeah. Chaz is a fashionista. Yeah. The guy is like, he's concerned with how he, his, the quaff of his hair. Totally. Spends a lot of money on that yeah. stuff. So, and anyway. he does a good job doing it, Dan. Does he? I don't know. All right. I don't know. Look at me. My wife dresses me. I, so, I've got, my look is dorm room floor, and I'm proud of it. So, anyway, this, this, uh, I want to talk about the art show a little bit to try to redeem myself for what I wrote on Beach Grit. It's too late. A Political Process is the name of the show. It's curated by Pat Tenori, who owns Ruka, who founded Ruka. And then there's three artists Bruce Reynolds, Kevin Ansell, and Todd Glazer. All three of those guys are MMA guys who are going to come tap you out, dude. So what I didn't understand was Pat curated this thing. What is Kelly's involvement? If Pat's curating the thing and there's three artists whose work, what is Kelly's involvement? The shoes. It, and what the work says, what the card says when you enter the space is a vision by Kelly Slater. So he, cho- like, he chose the artist. No. Huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess he did. But Pat curated the exhibit. But you're right. So I, I've actually researched it since then. And Vice interviewed Kelly. So I've actually watched all that he stuff. He did the work after you sent in the, the text. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you want to be breaking. You want to break the news. No, and, I, believe me. I've stepped so, into this trap. I stepped into this trap today. I stepped into this trap. I made so, a comment on a movie that I haven't even seen exactly. yet. Exactly. So let me explain it. So Kelly, you're right. Kelly picked the artist. Kelly wanted to make a political statement about the current election cycle that's going on in the United States. Hillary versus Trump, blah, blah, blah. And like, it's kind of like the whole thing's a debacle. And like the media, what the media feeds you isn't necessarily true. And certainly it's influenced by one political party versus the other versus based on what political outlet you listen to. So Kelly just wanted to make some sort of a comment about it. And his friend Bruce Reynolds out of Florida produces he's an artist and he makes a living uh doing fine art and he does these mixed media installation pieces so kelly enlisted him to create some sort of commentary about the cycle then he enlisted his buddy kevin ansell who did this orca quiver referred to as the pod which was not a commentary about the election cycle but it's commentary about um, SeaWorld SeaWorld based yeah. on the film right. and then Todd Glazer has shot some of those boards he's a surf photographer so my one of my criticisms was the exhibit is not focused like if you're doing a political process you have this thing that's about the election cycle which is the majority of the exhibit that makes sense but the Orca thing isn't related to the political cycle or to the election cycle and Glazer stuff seems like it's just tacked on at the end because it's in reference to this Orca thing, which I like. Actually, the Orca thing and the Glazer thing I like the most, but it's not really about the election cycle, which is why we're here, you know? So I felt like it was just a little unfocused as an exhibit, 
but I loved the installation of the orca way, the orca boards, and I love Glazer's work always. Unfocused is a legitimate criticism. I I poo pooed Bruce Reynolds' work because I just didn't get it. But I also don't know who Bruce Reynolds is, so I didn't have a frame of reference for Bruce Reynolds. Like Bruce is a legitimate genius, apparently. I just didn't have the framework <laughs> well, look, to understand. You're a it. wine guy, right? Yeah. So you can like a glass of wine, and I or whoever your average Joe might not like that same glass of wine because wine is a subjective taste, just totally. like art is. Yeah, so, totally. You know, I guess it's you know it's okay to not like a person's work, even though they're the greatest ever. You just don't like it. I is just, it okay to publicly? put it out there that you don't like it is what's the upside to that you know uh clicks <laughs> <laughs> well put which don't benefit me in any way shape or form because i'm not affiliated with beach grip but <laughs> but the reality is what i feel the shoes here's, will get them clicks. here's why here's why i'm a kook is because bruce reynolds deserved a little bit more acknowledgement and also a little more of my research before i uh blasphemed his work you know yeah, like yeah. like I, yeah like I just said, he's a legitimate artist yeah. and I didn't have the frame of reference that I needed to understand his work. And I should have done the research about who Bruce is and what he's doing before I went and commented on it. Um, I didn't receive any negative backlash, by the way. I only received positive. I got text messages and phone calls from people who were like, dude, I'm glad you said it because that work sucked, you know? And it's like, and it is, it's like, it's not beautiful to look at and you don't really understand what the messaging is of it uh, because it's, it's just a bunch of cobbled together found things that are, uh, I'm digging myself in again. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. But it is, it's, it's found art. It's found things built into a sculpture that's, you really have to analyze and look at to try to understand. And it's not beautiful to look at, which it doesn't need to be. Not all art needs to be beautiful. Um, so I still don't really get it and it's not really my thing. But I recognize Bruce does work that people like and that he has a place in the art world, you know? You have so. like Playboy centerfolds that are framed up at your house so you can look at beautiful things. No, I'm just Penthouse, using... actually. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> um, you know what? We will make a living amends, you and I both, by promising to do a little bit more research and not being such quick to judge yeah. based on lack of research. How about that? We'll make living amends, try to do better, progress, not perfection. Sounds good. Here's my other issue is that but you are a kook just for the record. I, I take it. So here's my, I, the point is I felt bad about it that day. I was struggling with like, you know what? This deserved a little bit more effort and I have more nuanced thought about this thing and I didn't really share it. Yeah. But here's the other thing. Beach Grit did edit my article a little bit. Like I had some softening sentences in there that weren't like, this is kind of scathing, but let me soften it with these words. Those words didn't show up in the final print, <laughs> which like, I'm okay with. That's way too soft for Beach Grit. Which I'm okay with because Beach Grit is you're, what it is. And like, you're giving I them 60 grit. <laughs> no, yeah. you gave them 400 grit and they made it 60 grit. Um, my, other, my other issue is I want Slater on the show, dude. I want to interview Slater. <laughs> Slater's my ultimate get and I'm alienating him. Every time I open my mouth, I talk crap about his surfing or about his art show. And I'm, I think I'm only Kelly will come Slater. on the show. Don't worry. Slater, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I take now back everything will, I said. Now he will not come those on Those boards show. look amazing. I wish I had those shoes. Oh, by the way, breaking news. Guess who we're honoring next year at the boardroom 2017? Who? Al Merrick. No. Yeah. Al Merrick will be our Icons of Foam tribute to the Masters. 
in May, May 6th and 7th at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. Wow. Super excited about that. Wow. But this week, it's all about John Mel, and that's coming up here this week. Please come out to Santa Cruz and meet David and meet Scott. We'll both be there and, um, and, and check out the incredible surfboards. They're giving away at least three surfboards and a bunch of other prize packs. And, of course, we have the vintage surfboard swap on Sunday, which is free. So bring your old boards and throw them down on the ground in the parking lot and trade, buy, swap, sell, all that stuff. Epic. Boardroomshow.com. Can't wait. Yes. All right. You can get a hold of me, David, at um, surfsplendorpodcast.com and then on Instagram at surfsplendor. And you can reach me, Scott, surftalksandiego at gmail.com. Surftalksandiego at gmail.com. And my Instagram is boardroomsurf. Nope. Nope. Is it? I thought it was at Boardroom Show. That's my Twitter. I don't know. Hold on. Let me see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scott. Do you, can you find it faster than myself here? Let's see. I don't know. I'm looking. Um, me. How do I find At Boardroom Show. That's what? That's at, Instagram. Instagram? Yeah. At, at Boardroom, boardroom show. show. Yeah. So, at Boardroom Show is my Instagram. My Twitter is at Boardroom Surf. And yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Always a pleasure, Scott. My favorite ninety minutes of the week. Wow, every, every other week. That is special. It really is. I uh, would reciprocate, but that's not the case. I am married. Um, down the line, surf talk. <laughs> Until next time, adios and aloha. Right on. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of Surf News with Scott Bass and I. Thanks for listening to Surf Splendor, always. Um, really appreciate the listenership, the feedback, the sharing with friends, all of that jazz. Really grateful for this opportunity to be able to produce it and to be able to interact with and meet all the rad people that we get to meet because of it. So um, really appreciate that. We'll keep the ball rolling. You keep doing your job of sharing it, and uh, let's let's go. Let's hit 200 episodes. Look forward to next week with um, for my episode with Sita Bruzy of the Water Bros. It's a good one. And then, um, yeah, I think that's it. You know, SurfSplendorPodcast.com is the website. Social media, at SurfSplendor. I think I'm going to just stop talking. I've said it. You've heard me say it all before. If you... Um, you want to hear me talk more go back to a different episode scroll to the end and you can hear the, the whole spiel there all right so get back in the ocean catch a couple waves shred on my dear friends shred on
Dream.